What's up, folks? We've got tons of college basketball to talk about, but before we do, we got to acknowledge our presenting sponsor, Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they've supported DNVR for a lifetime as DNVR members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial service experience, and they're trying to hook you up. Sure, you're probably hearing all about these mortgage rates and how great they are and yada, yada, yada. How do you know if you can trust them? Well, Mike and Virginia, they're not your typical mortgage company. Sure, they've got phenomenal rates, but really what makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner and looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They also are a small family-owned company, so you'll always feel like you're a person and not a number. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Like in Virginia, they'll work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Again, visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. If you'd rather talk to somebody on the phone, you can do that as well. Call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or again, visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. What's up, everyone? Justin Michael here. We are back with another edition of DNVR Madness, a national extension of our college basketball coverage. I'm Justin Michael. I'm with Ben Girding. We're talking college hoops. The holidays are here. The snow's here. College football championship. It's a good weekend. I'm trying to be in a good mood. Ben, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. You know, I, I had the privilege to be able to come home for the holidays. It took a couple weeks of quarantine and several negative tests and 12 hours of travel. But we are here in the beautifully cloudy uh, state of Ohio. And, uh, you know, Ohio, there's not a whole lot going on, but that's okay. We're in quarantine. And that means that I can pull up three different screens and watch all the action today. You know, uh, for all the listeners out there, Jess and I were just talking before this game or before this podcast started. You know, how are we going to divide up our time? You know, Justin's got the CSU game tonight. We've got Gonzaga, Iowa in just a couple hours. And of course, all the conference championship games. This is the best problem to have if you are a college sports fan. I can't even comprehend the people that don't watch college sports because I'm just thinking about everything that they're not going to watch this weekend. What do you do? Like, do you have a ho- I guess they have hobbies, I guess friends and other things, but that just, I mean, that just doesn't sound fun. No, I, I think, I think college sports, sports in general, that's the best hobby to have, you know? So, you know, whatever they're doing with their time, I'm sure it fulfills them, but this is, <laughs> this is Christmas came early for all us college sports fans. Totally agree. It's a, uh, it's been a weird week, man. There've been some good teams lost this week. Um, I think the rankings are really going to take some little bit of shaking up next week from the AP and us. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, we had multiple top 10 teams lose at one point. Uh, San Diego State lost yesterday. Really, really just kind of a odd time. But let, what, which game do you want to start with? Where should we start here? Yeah, let's let's go back to Sunday, NFL Sunday. There's a nice matchup between West Virginia and Richmond. And, you know, we talked about this being... 
Uh, an interesting game for both teams. For West Virginia, it was really to you know reaffirm yourself a- as a top defensive team. Uh, for Richmond, it was a chance to you know win a really good non-conference game, see what they can do. Now, obviously, West Virginia came out on that uh, on that game up 16 points, and that would have been reflected since that was Sunday um, in their rise in the rankings. And you know, we talked about a couple keys to victory for Richmond in that game was. You got to shoot the ball well, and you've got to make more free throws than West Virginia attempts because they're going to foul you. They're going to give you those opportunities. Richmond did half of that. They were they went to the line twenty nine times to West Virginia's thirteen, so they were able to get to That's the line. Crazy that the disparity was yeah. that significant, and they still lost by double digits. Yeah, and and you know. There's a lot of reasons I think you can attribute this loss if, if you are a Richmond fan. They had more turnovers. 66% from the line is really not going to get it done in that regard. But the number that jumps off the page really is just their overall shooting. Only 40% from the floor and just 23% from three. You know, West Virginia, again, they're a team that's going to give you those chances, especially at the free throw line. But if you're not hitting your shots when the opportunity comes, then they're really not going to give you that many more. So, you know, I think that was compounded with the fact that West Virginia had, I think, arguably their best offensive night of the season. They shot 57% from three. They came out hot. Um, And Miles McBride dropped 20 points. Overall, I think this was a really good win for West Virginia. But at the same time, you know, I don't think you can knock Richmond too far. And I think that's why they're still within the top 25 they this they ran into a kind of a buzzsaw of a physical team and Richmond we're both very high on them playing in the A10 but just i think the talent disparity was just a little too high in this game especially for being an early season matchup where where Richmond might not be firing on all cylinders and i think that's probably the two main reasons why they faltered i like everything that you brought up there uh, especially the fact that one you should not punish Richmond too much for going on the road losing to a team that Probably a top 10 team at this point. I mean, West Virginia's resume, very, very impressive. Just looking at what they've done since that Gonzaga game, which is kind of when we all fell in love with them. They've gone to Georgetown, picked up a victory. They have a 16-point win over Richmond, which we're talking about right now. And then, you know, last night they recovered against Iowa State in what was kind of a weird game. They're they're legit, man. They've got Kansas and Texas coming up, so it's going to be a big test for them. But if you're Richmond, you know, if you're a Richmond fan, it's tough to feel too disappointed, especially given... It was a weird night. The jump shots weren't falling. They didn't hit their free throws. If you know you shoot 45% from the field and you hit, you know, 75 to 80% of your free throws, maybe it's a little bit of a closer game. Maybe the whole thing it just doesn't get away from them at the same level. But that uh, that Richmond team, they've got great experience. I think that's a game that's really going to pay off for them down the line. I still think they're the favorite in the A10, just with all of the all that depth they have at the top, all the seniors. All I'm trying to Golden, that's his name, Golden Francis. I really like those two guys. It's it's uh it's going to be an interesting time to see how the A10, the Big East, a lot of these non-power 5 is there even a power 5 in college basketball? I guess it's technically the power 6 in college basketball. But uh just yeah, these I, non-major <laughs> schools, you know, and how do these leagues play out cuz a lot of these teams Creighton, Villanova, Richmond, they could all make noise in the tournament. Yeah, and speaking of the Big East, let's go ahead and move then to to Monday's game. Marquette coming out on top over Creighton. This was a really fascinating game. They they come out there and they'll beat a top ten team like Creighton, and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, this is legit. You know, this is the same Marquette team that beat Wisconsin just two weeks ago, 
And then you turn around and just a couple days ago, then they lose again. And it's like, where are they falling? You know, how can you go out there and you beat Creighton and you beat Wisconsin, but then you can't take care of business at Seton Hall within your conference? They got rolled in that game too. It wasn't even that particularly close. It's, it's such a, just a fascinating dynamic that honestly really is the epitome of college basketball this week because no team is safe. You know, no game is really a lock at this point. And that's the beauty of college basketball. That's why we love covering it. But when you're trying to analyze a team like Marquette, it really is just going to, it's just going to give you, you know, a, a head scratch. I mean, where, where do you, where do you rank them when they have two fantastic wins, but at the same time, they're still a team that's five and three and their losses are Seton Hall. UCLA, that's not a bad loss. It's not. Oklahoma they don't really State, have that's a terrible also loss not a bad loss. Point. Yeah, so, you know, they're, they're a team that's putting together some big wins, but they're not able to finish off some of these lower to middle tier teams. And it's, again, it's just interesting. Where are you at with Marquette as far as, are they top 25? Are they flirting with it? What, what, what do you do with a team like that? You know, I think Marquette's flirting. It's like you said, with with three losses this early in the season, I think it's really hard to put them in the top 25, even with a pair of top 10 wins, which is crazy because looking around the country, there aren't that many teams that already have a pair of top 10 wins. So, you know, if we're going just based off that, sure, Marquette's a, you know, a top 25 team. We just need that consistency. You know, I, I do like the build of their roster. They've got a couple of transfers and uh, Kobe McAwain. I can't really pronounce his last name. It's not McElwain, but it's like McAwain. There's no L there. He uh, he started at Utah State. Really versatile scorer. A guy that I really enjoyed covering in the Mountain West a couple of years back. He's you know off to a hot, hot start, averaging about 15 points a game. And then they've got the Ohio State transfer, DJ Carton. And he was kind of the big guy in that Creighton game. Hit some big shots against Wisconsin as well. When I look at Marquette, I see a team that could be really dangerous in the tournament just because of the the scoring they have at the guard position and the experience. Two guys that have played in big-time games. I mean, Kobe used to lead Utah State. Carton was running things at Ohio State for a while. They've played big-time basketball, and that's important to me. You know, I think they'll figure things out. The The Big East, you know, it's a really good conference. We're, we're talking about, yeah, they got rolled in that game. It's not like they got beat by a terrible team or anything like that. We just got to, they got to find some consistency, man, because if they can, scoring wise, I think they're probably as good as just about anybody in that conference. Got to play a little bit of defense, though. Yeah, I think you hit a lot of nails right on the head with that one. And, and just looking at the Big East as a whole, this season, you want to just put it in writing that Villanova is going to come away with it. And, and I do still think Villanova is going to win that conference. But you have some legitimate teams up there with Seton Hall always competes. They always go out there and play their best basketball. Creighton now, and if we talk a little bit about Creighton, you know, the loss against Kansas, not going to knock them a whole lot. That was a great game, great finish. Now you lose to Marquette, and and then you're starting to have a a couple more questions. They were able to still pick up a win against uh, St. John's and finish out the the week with a good win. So, you know, they're in a a little bit of turmoil at the moment, but that's still a good basketball team. That's still a top 20 basketball team. And then, yeah, you've got Marquette sitting there at five and three with some fantastic wins. And that's not even talking about Xavier, who's still sitting at seven and oh. Um, you know, that is one of my big games to watch moving forward is going to be on Sunday, Marquette and Xavier, because I think both of those teams reasonably do have 
some potential top 25 implications on the line. If Xavier's 8-0, I don't think the AP can keep them out of the top 25 just because that is showing a lot of consistency, being able to go out there. And also, you know, you're sprinkled in some luck. Being able to get eight games in this early in the season is pretty impressive when, you know, really college basketball is turning over about 75, 80% of games played, um, you know, due to COVID and various things. So those are two sneaky teams that I think really can compete. Um, It's just such an interesting conference. And I love it. I love the craziness of it because although Villanova should win that conference, there's still this sneaky suspicion within me that says somebody's going to give them a run for their money. Dude, Xavier can score in a hurry. I mean, they've scored 99 twice. They've already gone over 103. Of, I mean, that's three of eight games. But the weird thing is they also had a 51-point game against Bradley. So it's just one of those, where's the consistency in the Big East? You know, we, Which one of these teams is really going to be able to establish themselves alongside Villanova as that threat in the Big East, as that team in the tournament? I need to watch Xavier more. You and Henry have given them more respect than I have. And part of that is I've, I've only gotten to watch them one time so far this season. And I just got to get, I got to get them on the schedule. They've got some good games coming up against Marquette. And then they got Creighton and Villanova after that. So really a, a three game test for Marquette. We're either going to find out, yes, this team is as good as we think they can be, or, you know, maybe they actually are a, a significant step below some of those other teams, but those point guards are always going to give them an opportunity to compete. So, I'm I'm intrigued by Marquette. I don't think they're necessarily a team that is going to be like super dangerous tournament time, but they definitely could shake things up. Let's move on to another weird team though. Virginia Tech, man. <laughs> I are they a good team or not? I I think Virginia Tech doesn't even know if they're a good team at this point, let alone <laughs> anybody across the country. I I just they we're talking about consistency, you know, we're talking about with the Big East, who is going to put together a consistent string of games and you know, after that Penn State loss, you lose by 20 to Penn State, and all of a sudden, you're really starting to wonder, you know... I was out at that point. I mean, team, I took him out yeah, of the top 25. Yeah, where, where is this team at? Is that Villanova win real? Or is that more of a, a sign on Villanova having an off night with them only putting up 73 points, which is pretty modest for that team? And then you go out there and beat a Clemson team, ranked 24th in the AP. Clemson is a solid basketball program this year. I think they're going to continue to flirt with that 30 in the rankings all season long. I think Clemson is a team that is going to jump into the top 25 at 25, 24, and then they're going to fall back out the next week and they're going to keep flirting right with that line. But that's still, you know, a very solid win. What do you do with Virginia Tech at this point? They're five and one. They've got a couple big wins, one bad loss. Maybe you say Penn State was an off night at this point. Nobody knows what to do with this team. And the problem is when you look at their schedule moving forward, they have until January to prove themselves. Their, their next big, big game is going to be against Virginia the first week of January. Until then, they've got Coppin State, Longwood, and Miami of Florida. So, you know, those are three games where Virginia Tech should take care of business. And reasonably, you're not going to learn a whole lot about them. So if you're Virginia Tech, if you're on that coaching staff, this is your chance to be on a break and really right all of the wrongs that you've had over the next couple of weeks. I think non-conference little like buffer games like this are so important because totally. it's going to boost your team's confidence. You know, you can get out, you can get guys out there that are going to put up a lot of good stats and really start feeling themselves and start to buy in again with the system. So against Coppin State, 
They're playing today on Saturday. And I just want to check the line. Virginia Tech favored by 27 points. You got to come out there and smash that line. But I'm talking, you got you to cover it in the first half if you want to start to really get rolling with this team. Um, and I think they can do it because, again, the, the quality of competition in the next couple of weeks isn't that important. But to get back to the original question, where are we at with Virginia Tech? We're not going to know until January because they've got a nice four-game stretch at the start of January against ACC opponents. They play at Virginia, at Louisville. And then they host Notre Dame and they host Duke. That is a four-game stretch where you are going to find out really what you have with this team. And, you know, I'm excited for it because those four games are really going to sink or swim their season, in my opinion. Because even if they come out there and they lose, if they can compete with Virginia and Louisville, you're still feeling fine about them going into the conference tournament. And they should still receive a bid because if you're competing with Virginia and Louisville, you're probably going to win against the majority of their teams. It's just the time off with two weeks off before you can get that test. It's just going to be so interesting to see, you know, where national rankings put them. Kudos to Virginia Tech for taking advantage, you know, going five and one right now. Look, like we said, these next couple of games, they're not going to do anything to you know, boosts Virginia Tech's approval rating across the country and anything, anything like, yeah, if they if they go in and beat Coppin State, that's what an ACC team should do. So we'll see like kind of how they handle that. The one thing that's intriguing to me about this Virginia Tech team, it's really young. I mean, they've got three sophomores, so they should be, you know, fairly competitive over the next couple of seasons. Virginia Tech, they're not going to go with that, you know, one and done approach. It's, it's not going to be a, a Duke, a Kentucky or anything like that. They could be, you know, maybe a sneaky threat in the ACC over the next couple of years. They play good defense. I mean, I like teams that play hard. They're definitely that. They held Clemson to 60 the other night. That's kind of been the staple. I wonder if they have the shooting to keep up with some of the truly elite teams. Even a team like North Carolina, I think, would probably give them some fit scoring-wise. But, hey, man, Virginia Tech, I got to at least give them a little bit of respect. And assuming they don't mess up over here, they should be, you know, firmly in the top 25 until New Year's at least. Yeah, and, and shooting definitely is a concern for that team. I believe they're only at 32% on, yeah, on from good. three. From So, you know, w- with a team like that, I think if you are listening out there and you're a Virginia Tech fan, first and foremost, I think you take a lot of pride in that. Like, okay, this is a young team, you know, we're not really expected to win right now. So right now, Virginia Tech is playing with house money. They're so young and they don't have that experience. And they also, they don't have the traditional coaching in the ACC like Duke or North Carolina because they are normally not the type of program that's going to breed and foster that type of talent. So realistically, where are you at with Virginia Tech? Well, you know, they're doing pretty well with, with what they've got. And, you know, that, that, that's all you can say about them. Again, this, this next stretch is going to be big for them. They've done the best with what was in front of them. Obviously, that Penn State blunder is really going to come back, and I think it, it, it might hurt them later on, definitely, as one of those losses where, you know, if you could have had that one back, you might be... That honestly might be the difference between being, you know, one or two seeds higher or lower. So it'll be interesting to see where that plays out. But Virginia Tech is a team that, they are going to develop. They're going to get better as time goes on. And so maybe they do drop a couple more games early. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they drop all of those games in early January, but they use that to fuel them. And as a young team, they grow with it heading into the conference tournament. They're just so unpredictable that it, it, it's hard to really peg them one way or the other. 
I think that was astutely broken down by my <laughs> man, Ben. Let's move on to Purdue, Ohio State. Another another couple of weird teams. Um, I, I caved and put Ohio State in my top 25 finally, and then they lose. So I'm, I'm trying to get a gauge of where teams like them and Michigan are kind of at right now. Even Purdue, I mean... Purdue's been up and down out of the gate. They they lose on the road at Miami, then they come back and recover with this one. Where are you at with these teams? Oh gosh, this is another another tough one, you know. So so this game was played on Wednesday, and I had da- I I went down to the DNVR studios to cover the Buffs basketball game that night. And so I, I enter the studio right as Ryan and Andre are doing their bets show. And I come up there, of course, you know, they know we're doing this college basketball. So they're Ben, but what do you think of this line? Purdue's favored by six. And me and my infinite wisdom goes, you hammer Ohio State because they are going <laughs> to cover six points. And of course, they end up losing by seven. You know, I, this is kind of what we were talking about. We've talked about so much about Big Ten cannibalization of games. And I want to put this into that category because Ohio State really climbed up the rankings. They were number 20 going into this week. But, you know, again, Purdue, they're five and two. They, their losses are against Clemson, not a bad loss. Now, Miami on the road, that's one you want to have back, but road games are always hard to predict. And then you pick up a really big win there at um, hosting Ohio State. So where am I at with Purdue? I just need to see more. They need to have a bigger sample size of quality games because right now, other than Clemson, Miami, as, as those losses, we really haven't seen enough. And they're going to get their chances. And they're going to get their chances fast. They've got Notre Dame on here on Saturday. Then they've got at Iowa on Tuesday. Now, I don't think anybody is going to expect Purdue to go into Iowa and be the highest scoring team in college basketball, but that's a big test. And then they come back at home. They're playing Maryland and going to Rutgers. They've got another nice four-game stretch there where really no game is going to be guaranteed. I think you'd like to see them go in and beat Notre Dame if they want to really affirm themselves. Um, you're going to expect them to lose to Iowa. And then those games against Maryland and Rutgers, I think those are really a toss-up. I do think Rutgers is a good basketball team. I also think Maryland's a good basketball team. So where they end up in that is going to be interesting. As far as Ohio State goes, I, I think the the word that comes to mind if I'm an Ohio State fan, it's just disappointment. This game isn't going to make or break my schedule if I'm Ohio State because you know what? That's a conference loss. We're still 5-1. and one. No big deal. But at the same time, it's just... You would really like to have had that in the grand scheme of things. Now, Ohio State, they're going to be playing UCLA, and they've got Rutgers uh, coming up as well. So they've got some chances to bounce back. But I just think both of those teams, neither of them has the sample size of quality opponents to really affirm themselves one way or the other. They want to be ranked. Um, you know, Ohio State being 20, they want that national recognition. But the problem is they haven't played a schedule like some other opponents have. We talk about Gonzaga scheduling a buzzsaw of a non-conference schedule. So if you're Ohio State, you still don't really know. I think you're a solid basketball team. Ohio State, they're going to destroy the bottom of their conference. But where do they come in in the middle and high tiers is just, it's the million dollar question. I'm really intrigued to see you know, how teams like Michigan, how teams like Ohio State, Purdue, I mean, even Indiana and some of these other teams, how they kind of contend with Michigan State and Illinois. Because right now, I think those two are a clear, you know, cut above everybody else in that, di- in that division, I think, or that conference, I should say. I, I think 
they're probably going to lose some weird games, kind of like Ohio State just lost to Purdue with the conference cannibalism. It's going to be such a big factor in that conference, probably more than any other conference where we're like actually paying attention. You know, it's going to happen in the WCC and some of that other stuff too. But in the, in the major conferences, the Big Ten, it's it's really going to be a big factor because you know if you're Gonzaga, you don't really have to worry about some of those other teams. You know, they're probably not going to fall out of the top three. Baylor, you have to worry about Kansas and Texas. Maybe Texas Tech. Texas Tech actually looks a lot better, and we'll get into them. Um, I might have given up on Texas Tech a little too early in this season. I just want to see, though, you know, with Ohio State, can they beat a team like Michigan State on the road? Because that's what it's going to come down to. You know, can you beat Tom Izzo's squad, Mr. March or whatever? <laughs> I'm not sure they can right now. But no. you do need that bigger sample size, you know? Michigan State's yeah. played a hard schedule. Illinois played some premier games. Everybody else in the Big Ten, we're still kind of waiting and seeing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head again there with, can Ohio State go into Michigan State and, and come out with a win? I think they think they can. Um, I'm not there yet with them. Again, they, they need to play more games. But this is just going to come down to your right. Who, who is going to emerge as those top seeds? You know, Iowa right now sitting at three. They're obviously a, a, a favorite. And then you touched on Illinois. You also touched on, uh, excuse me, Michigan State. The other team there, too, that, that's going to be interesting is Wisconsin. You know, that loss against Marquette kind of yeah, starts great. looking. Forgot about them. They look better <laughs> with the Marquette win, and then they look a little, lo- you know, so, so that Mar- if, if you're a Wisconsin fan, you've got a Marquette hat in the closet because you really need Marquette to start winning a lot of games to make that look better. Uh, those are just four teams that I think have separated themselves into a different class. So if you are an Ohio State fan, or even you know looking at Purdue, or you know looking at in Indiana, those type of teams, I think you're good and you're going to win some against some lesser opponents. But they are just on a different level as the Big Ten's kind of Big Four, and you know that's that's okay because those Big Four teams in the Big Ten honestly all have a case to be top ten in the AP rankings. So to Try and produce five teams to go into the top 10 if you're one conference. That would be incredible. No one's expecting that. But it also, you know, maybe if you're an Ohio State fan, maybe you're a little, a little PO'd because you got the short end of a conference this season with college basketball because there are not really going to be any weeks off. It feels like every week, one or two games are just going to be a marathon. And if you are projecting into tournament time on who the best teams are, and of course, this is going to be three months from now, and this is going to be a bold take, but you know, if you're Illinois, if you're Iowa, I mean, those, those teams are running the gauntlet in conference play. They are going to be exhausted come March. Great and honestly, that might be something to keep in mind because you might see Iowa be a one or a two seed, let's say, and they lose to a 15 or 16 because they've just had three straight months of nonstop opponents. They probably overlook that lower school team and they, they could come away being upset. I hadn't really thought about that, but I, I do wonder if that'll be a big factor for a team, you know, like a Creighton or somebody, you know? Yeah. You, you gotta have to pl- you have to play a difficult conference schedule. We just spent, you know, 20 minutes talking about how much we love that league. Yeah. Is it like going through the big 10? Probably not just physically the demand, all of that. You're going to have a, you know, a couple of nights that, kind of kind of not a night off but just a little bit laid back you know not as hard on the joints not as intense just a little bit easier altogether 
the heavier rotation good. games is what I like to what, what I like to call that. that. Those are the games where you start to see the uh, you know twelve thirteenth man come off the bench a little exactly. bit. You can let your star guard you know take maybe five minutes extra off, and those minutes really add up. I wonder for a team like Gonzaga. I wonder if what that point you just made, if that's really going to benefit them. They're playing brutal non-conference schedule. I mean, they're running the gauntlet here. So they're getting that experience. They're getting those moments against big-time teams. There are some good teams in their conference, a couple of them. There's also like eight or nine gimmies. Yeah. Gonzaga should be pretty rested come tournament time. Or not rested, but they shouldn't be, you know, as beat down, as physically exhausted as some of these other programs. We already think they're the best team in basketball. If that's just yet another advantage they have going their way, no crowds, it's all going to be an indie. They're a good team. It's one of those situations. Good teams make buckets. You know, it's like, it's like the NBA bubble. Yes, it's great that you have the energy, the fans to get you all going. But at the end of the day, the best teams still score. A team like Gonzaga is going to do that. Man, the more we talk through all this, I just think more and more. It's Gonzaga's world. We're living in it. As long as they don't blow this, they're going to win a title this year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Real quick, as our, as our last kind of recap game from this week, let's talk Kansas. Let's talk Texas Tech. That was a, a, a big game. I think, yeah, it was a big game for Kansas, but also a big game for Texas Tech, being able to, to kind of keep pace with Kansas, uh, showing that you know they're, they're still here to compete. And Texas Tech, they take care of business. Their only two losses, obviously, are against... Houston, which is a top 10 team, Kansas ranked fifth in the country, starting with Texas Tech. This is another one of those teams where we're so early in the season, we want to say, you know what? Yeah, they're a good team. But of their six and two record, their two losses are really against the only two good teams that they've played. You know, they pick up wins against Grambling State, Troy, Albion, and Christian. They're picking up like huge margin wins. Great for their stats, great for the box score, but. You know, when they really have to play top-notch competition, they haven't quite been able to move the needle. What are your thoughts on that team? I think you hit it right on the head there. It's Yeah, they're beating up on bad teams right now, but every time we've had to see them play a legitimate... I mean, Houston held them to 53 points. Kansas held them to 57 points. The scoring just hasn't been there when they've had to go up against teams that actually have the, the length and the athleticism to, to defend them. You know, if, if you're tech, yeah, it's great. Yeah, beat up on those teams. But this is a league where Kansas, Baylor, and Texas have all proven that they're legit. And I just don't think that they have the scoring to keep up with those teams consistently. I'm a big Chris Beard guy. So I, I could see a situation where Texas Tech, they're a dangerous team, a team you don't want to play in the Big 12 tournament, something like that. They could sneak an upset. I, they're a team like that. I, are they an actual threat? I don't know. To me, it feels like they're going to be a team that kind of floats between 15 and 20 all year. They're going to get some wins. I, I could see a situation where they drop a game against a team like TCU or something, just a, you know, a conference loss that they shouldn't have. I, I'm just, I'm not super sold on them yet. It's, it's kind of funny going into this podcast. I told myself like, don't, don't rail on Texas tech too hard. It's too early. We haven't seen enough from them yet. And then as I start talking here, I'm just like, nah, they can't hang with Kansas. They can't hang with Baylor. But I, I just don't think they have the scoring. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing is, there are four teams in the Big 12 right now that 
really look good. Obviously, you've got Baylor and Kansas, and they're going to be fighting for number one seeds in the tournament. Then you've got West Virginia and Texas. You've got those four teams. Yeah, that I didn't even just, bring up West Virginia. Yeah, and, and West, I mean, Texas Tech, their lack of scoring against a West Virginia defense, I, I, I know where I'd put my money in that game. And so, yeah, I think Texas Tech is a team that's going to be able to take care of like Iowa State. You know, they're going to be able to take care of K-State. But when it comes down to it, if they're playing on the road against any of those four top teams, I don't. I wouldn't give them a chance in hell. Now, I do think they'll be able to steal some at home, just because that's what college basketball is like. But I, I just—they are a team. I agree. They're going to be sitting in the back half of that top twenty-five for the majority of this year. They'll move up a couple spots because let's say they pick up an upset win against West Virginia at home. And all of a sudden, then the next week they go on the road and they lose to Kansas by 20 or they lose to Baylor by 15 or, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, what is this team at? So Texas Tech, if they want to be relevant, if they want to be credible, they need to show it on a big stage. And conference play, that's a chance to do it. But if you are Texas Tech, they need to beat Texas. They need to beat Oklahoma State because those are two teams that have credibility and they are good basketball programs, but you need to just take care of them because you need to etch yourself up closer to those top three. Moving towards Kansas, this was just a, just a big win for them as far as now you're starting to see the ball move a little bit. You know, nobody's going to fault them for losing by 12 against Gonzaga. I mean, that, that was the opening game of the season. Lots of things. They still put up 90 points. Now they've got wins against Kentucky, which... Not looking as great as time goes on, but that's still a, a good program. You got to win against Creighton. You got to win against Texas Tech. These are starting to add up. And so for Kansas, which I think we're both high on, but I think we, you know, for me personally, I, I just want to see them do it more. You know, early on in the season, I was a little bit concerned. Um, now they're seven and one. There's no reason why this team is not a, a top five program in the country right now. Another big game this week. They're playing West Virginia on uh, on Tuesday. That's going to be a big game to see. You know if they are really above West Virginia in in the Big Twelve. I know that was a lot. I'm interested to hear. You know where you're at with Kansas. If you have anything else on Texas Tech too. I think I think we pretty much covered it with Texas Tech. I mean, I do like Matt McClung, so I, I could see a situation where you know. He has a couple of big games and helps them steal one. Just a guy that's played a lot of a lot of valuable basketball, and and I, I do think that matters, especially in a weird year like this one, where you know you, if you can get a, a signature win or two, that might actually be the difference between making the tournament or not. Because it's just going to be so subjective with how the tournament commit. It's always subjective, but it's going to be especially this year where it's going to be a situation where some teams play like thirty games and other teams only get to play twenty and. You know, some team might only get like 15. So it's going to be a weird situation. You got to make the most of every single opportunity that you have. That's why teams like Iowa and Gonzaga look really smart right now because they've, you know, they've come out of the gate hot and that's just going to be in the back of our mind for the next two months. They have the benefit of the doubt because of it. And that's big. As far as Kansas goes, you know, I'm, I'm a KU hoops fan. My, my family loves KU. Um, I wasn't a believer coming into this year, which is funny because I thought they could win it all last year. I just, I, I didn't, I didn't think they had enough shooters to match up with a team like Baylor who has such great length. Cause I don't think they're going to be able to go in the post and like dominate a team like Baylor. So you got to outscore them. And I wondered, you know, would they have the scoring so far? It's been kind of up and down, 
but what I've seen in the, in the big games I've liked, you know, they put 90 against Gonzaga. They didn't exactly have it against Texas Tech, but that's a tough game. I mean, fans are in the stands there. They play hard defense. To be able to grind that out on the road, I think it's big for this team's identity. And now I just want to see, can you build off of it? Because they've got West Virginia and Texas coming up. You win both of those games, I think we're probably thinking, yeah, Kansas is that third or fourth team. Yeah, I, I, I like that you brought up the shooting when you're trying to compete against a team like Baylor and, and also West Virginia. You know, you're not going to be able to play bully ball against West Virginia. Uh, you know, they're, Kansas, just from looking at the stats right now as I have them up, it's so fascinating because they're shooting 40% from three, which is a number you'll take all day. But then they're only shooting 44% from the floor. And it's, it's, it's so just, weird. It's, it's concerning it, because where is that balance of, of scoring coming from? I think, you know, when you look at Kansas, the one benefit that I think they can, if you want to play, you know, political spin team on a headline, you know, yeah, they've had some up and down games as far as scoring goes. But, you know, if, if you're Kansas PR department, you're going to say, well, that just shows we can win in a lot of different ways. You know, we can put up 90 on Gonzaga and that that game was never really in question. So I think that 90 was, you know, it's just interesting, especially when you give up 102 to can or to, to Gonzaga. But then you're able to etch out 73 points over Creighton. And then, yeah, you win a you win a, a slugfest against Texas Tech, putting up 58 points. Maybe their way of saying it is, you know, we well, we just play however the opponent needs us to play to come out with a win. And that's fine. You know, they're seven and one right now. But to to cool those embers a little bit, your two signature wins right now against Creighton and Texas Tech, both were one point wins late in the game. That is it's just a tough recipe to maintain. Now, I agree, signature totally. wins are important, but you know, as far as how this shakes out. Baylor, we just haven't seen enough from Baylor yet if we want to make that comparison. That's the problem is Baylor had some some nice wins early in the season. And, you know, that Illinois game is still what we're going to come back to. But, you know, four of their last four games or four of their last five games were either postponed or canceled. Just such a tough recipe right now because, like you touched on, with Iowa Gonzaga going to stay in everybody's mind, Baylor just hasn't had the national attention because they haven't been able to play. So, you know, that... When when Kansas and Baylor play, it's going to be a big-time game. At this point, seeing what I've seen from both teams, I probably still would lean towards Baylor just because, like you touched on, that length is just going to cause trouble. Yeah, I, I still, as a KU guy, I still don't feel very good about that matchup going up against Baylor. I will say, like you said, with four of their last five games getting canceled, it, God, I can't, I mean, I'm trying to think, I'm like, when was the last time we actually even watched Baylor? I mean, man, it's just such a weird year in general, trying to keep up with all these teams and how you compare them and everybody's resume. It's, it's just going to be very subjective. It's going to be one of those years where everybody's going to have to take everybody's analysis with a grain of salt, whether you know, you're listening to us, some other national podcast, watching the dudes on ESPN. You know, it's, it, it's a weird year, and I'm not sure that people's like breakdowns of these teams are going to be more deferring than they've ever been just because it's one of those, well, I believe this because so, so, and so. And it's like, oh, I could kind of see that. Yeah, that kind of makes sense with these weird situations. Somebody else comes with a completely different criteria. Oh, yeah, I could kind of see that too. So college sports are weird. Uh, let's, we've pretty much covered most of the, the games from last week. Let's kind of transition here, talk about our teams of the week, our players of the week. And then before we wrap up, let's just kind of talk about a couple of games we're looking forward to. 
feels like just yesterday that Los Angeles was lifting basketball's most coveted prize. Since then, we've introduced a new class of professional basketball players to the draft. We've also seen a few marquee names switch teams. Luckily for us fans, DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app, they're ready to kick off the 2021 basketball season with a no-brainer bet. Even better, it's not just for new users. It's for all customers, new and existing. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook app yet, head to the App Store now. You don't want to miss this. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a 75-point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. 75 points! That's right. All you got to do is bet on any opening night game. And if your team doesn't lose by more than 75 points, you're going to double your money. This Saturday, there will be an endless amount of action to get it on. So don't wait. Head to the app now. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get a 75-point spread on opening night for a shot to double your money. That code DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money on opening night for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Your team of the week, man. Iowa, tough to argue against. Why is it Iowa? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here prepping for this podcast, and I'm like, you know, who do I really want to spot like this week? And personally, I, I was hoping to just look at, and find like a kind of a lower tier team, but with so much ups and downs from this week. And then you have Iowa, who just, you know, they're still six and zero. They're cruising, and there were two and zero this week, beating Iowa and Northern Illinois. You know, the, the wins are less important to me than how they did it. I mean, over 100 in both games again. And that flows into, you know, my player of the week spotlighting Luca Garza. I'm hard-pressed to say anybody has as good of a national player of the year resume at this point as Luca Garza. This week in particular, averaged over 28 points per game on the season he is now averaging almost 30 a game, nine rebounds, shooting 70% from the floor and almost 70% from three, 2.2 blocks per game. He's doing everything you need him to. And, you know, we talked about Iowa last week. That win against North Carolina was interesting because Luca Garza put up a double-double, but it was not by any stretch of the imagination his best game. He shot six of 20 from the floor and Iowa still came away with a signature win. So, you know, this is a team where, You've got that anchored. You've got that column that you can really lean on with the best player in the country. And even when his off night is 16 and 14, you've still got pieces to pick up the slack. This is a dangerous team. It's going to be interesting seeing them play against a team like Illinois because Iowa is going to want to get in a firefight, you know, whereas Illinois is going to want to slow it down a little bit in and the take half what court. the defense gives them. Yeah. And so. When you've got Iowa sprinting and you've got, you know, Iowa likes to run the 400 meter dash and Illinois really, they're in bio, you know, they're a long distance runner. And so how do those teams match up? Those are going to be the the keynote games for a team like Iowa. But as of right now, you know, I have them at three, you have them at three, AP has them at three. And that's because, you know, you've got Baylor and Gonzaga in front of them. This is a big test this week. Later today. You've got Gonzaga versus Iowa. This is going to be fascinating. Uh, 
you know, do, do you want to touch on, on your team of the week and then we'll get into the previews? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't spend a lot of time on it because we just broke down that game, but my team of the week is Kansas. And it's just because I think going on the road, getting that signature win at Texas Tech was big. I think Iowa is probably the, the logical choice this week. They're going to be the logical choice most weeks if they keep playing <laughs> yeah. the way they're playing, putting up these kind of numbers. Um, I just think I think it was a big win for them. It kind of set the set the tone. They obviously have to back it up with these games against West Virginia and Texas. But um, my guy Ochai Ogbahi, 23 points on 73% shooting from the floor, four of seven from three, was really just that that presence. I mean, I talked about will Kansas have enough scoring this year? I'm still worried about it, but he has been lighting it up. He lit it up against the Red Raiders. He's my player of the week. Rock chalk, baby. Let's move on. Yeah, absolutely. I Kansas would have probably been my second choice as well. Just to tie a bow on that. I mean, you know, it, it's it's hard to hard to pick against them after that nice win. Uh, so yeah, you know, looking ahead now, what do we have on tap? Obviously, we're recording this Saturday morning, December nineteenth, and just a few hours. Gonzaga versus Iowa, number one versus number three. What's interesting here, and we've talked a lot about Iowa, so let's shift focus back to Gonzaga because I haven't been able to talk about them in a while. Been you know, a while. They, they've had that. Yeah, they've had. A lot of problems with COVID. This is a this is an interesting game. So my question to you before we really go into break this down is who has more on the line here? Is it Gonzaga or is it Iowa? Because I don't think the answer is as clear cut as I as I originally thought. So uh, my gut my gut response is Iowa. Because I think I think at this point. Gonzaga has kind of been just universally named that best team in the country. I mean, you obviously you can make a strong argument. Baylor, Iowa, terrific teams. Based on what we've seen, everybody is kind of all in on Gonzaga. If you're Iowa here, you have an opportunity to like go up against one of the best in the country and prove, hey, you know, we're we're here. Like we're scoring a hundred points a game. We got the best player in the country. We're balling out. If you're Iowa, you have an opportunity to prove prove that. It could also go really bad for you, though. It could also, you know, be one of those. Look, there there were some questions about Fran coming in. Is you know, is he serious? This is kind of the Iowa deal every year. They come out of the gate kind of hot, then they choke when it you know as the season goes on. I don't think that Iowa team is going to do that. But if they go out and then you know they get get absolutely rolled, are we then questioning you know? Ooh, is this Iowa team as legit as we thought they were? You know, yeah, they beat up on bad teams. Can they really face, you know, a team like Gonzaga or Baylor? So to me, I think Iowa has more to lose just because Gonzaga, they already have the win over Kansas. They're already established as that team. But I'll be kind of curious to see how you take this. Yeah, and, and my initial reaction absolutely was Iowa for pretty much every reason you named. And I think, you know, the, the benefit for Iowa is this is again going to be one of those track meet games. Gonzaga likes to score and they like to score a lot. And so if you're Iowa, you're really not as concerned about how are we going to stop Gonzaga? It's more so, you know, how are we going to make more shots? And so this is a great matchup in that regard. But I, after I thought about it more, looking at just where Gonzaga is at, I think this is a pivotal game. You know, Obviously, for, for me covering the buffs, Deshaun Schwartz contracted COVID and his first two games back, it really took him time to ramp up. And obviously, that is the only experience I have as far as knowing how COVID is going to affect some of these basketball players. 
So for Gonzaga, we don't know who on their team had it. We don't know what the exact specifications of, of the situation were. So what's their personnel package going to look like coming out there? What are the minutes going to look like? That's important. Obviously, they're a deep team. And I think selfishly, they benefited from this pause, five games canceled, because I think for a guy like Jalen Suggs, giving him a chance to rest that ankle. The last time we talked about them in that game over West Virginia, you know, what everybody thought was a, it was an Achilles tear. He ends up re-entering the game. He still did not look 100%. So No, not you know, at ass- all. So assuming, you know, in, in a huge assumption this time, but, you know, assuming he was not one of those affected by COVID and obviously thoughts out to everyone who was uh, in that program, you know, of course, across country, giving him a chance to rest that ankle, that's going to be big. But the reason I think it's bigger for Gonzaga is just when I look at their schedules moving forward, I was going to have so many more chances against seemingly top 15, top 10 teams. Whereas Gonzaga, this is pretty much it. They've got one more big non-conference game, and that's against Virginia next Saturday. Other than that, they move into conference play. So for them, a team that's 3-0 right now, you know, for your first game in, in several weeks, I think they need to come out there and get a win a little bit more than Iowa. Now, with that being said, Iowa still needs to keep pace. Both of these teams do. I wouldn't be surprised if this team if this game ended up being in the high 80s, you know, 90s, even in scoring. If both of these teams can stay within, I would say five, six points and, and not be a backdoor cover, you know, stay, stay in the game the whole time. I think you're feeling great if you're both teams. But reasonably, you know, and no answer is wrong here. Gonzaga and Iowa both have so much on the line. So it's just going to be a great game. And that's where I come back to. The COVID factor is really interesting because I didn't really think about that. But it's one, it's, it's really good factor to consider. So Colorado State, their first five games of the season got canceled. Almost the entire roster came down with COVID. Um, it started with two. I think it was like eight by the time it was all done. It was kind of a disaster. They didn't get to practice as a team for three entire weeks. When they came out, the shooting, it was not great. It looked like a team that had not been practicing for three weeks. So what has right. Gonzaga been doing? You know, Were they able to do individual workouts? Was it team workouts? How much you know, shooting have they been doing? Is it all just lifting? That, that could really be a factor going up against a team like Iowa, which is you know, rolling on all cylinders. They're, they're producing... I mean, is there a team in the country that's really been scoring as consistently as Iowa has across the board in the post from three-point? I mean, they are lethal. Yeah, I, they're, Iowa just... They're so dynamic on offense. Like you said, you, they, can, they can score everywhere in the half court. They, they can score everywhere from the post, elbow jumpers, 15 footers. It's just, it, it's going to be a good game. I would not be surprised if they come out on top for, for those reasons you touched on, you know, you know, referencing Colorado state and those struggles early in the year off of a COVID outbreak. I mean, if you're Gonzaga, I think you're sweating going into this game. I think you are worried that, this is your first game back. You know, they don't have the luxury of of playing like one of those buffer games after your COVID outbreak to to really see where your team is at stamina wise. I think the rotation could look different depending on who's available, you know, who's feeling conditioned. There's just so many question marks in Gonz- with Gonzaga right now. Right now, they're favored by four and a half points. This is a game where I think I would stay away from as far yeah, as taking I wouldn't the line put money just on this because, just because it could go either way. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, now I do think the overs at 169, I would, I would smash that over. Um, but that's so many points for college hoops though, man. Anything over 160 makes me nervous. Oh, I know. That's, that's what I'm thinking. You know, that, that's just where my head's at as far as this being a track meet. But at the same time, you know, just so I don't contradict myself. Also, if Gonzaga's having an off night, you're right. They're not going to hit that number. So yeah, stay away from it. If you're better, uh, if you're a college hoops fan, absolutely have this on, you know, if, if you're blessed enough to have multiple screens, whether it be an iPad, maybe you bring your, your computer out wherever your TV is, put on some football, put on some basketball, you know, enjoy it. <laughs> This game is as good as anything going on. And I'm talking conference championships, NFL wildcard implication. I don't even know what else. UFC, NBA preseason, whatever. This is as good of a sporting competition as anything happening this weekend. Yeah. Turn it on. All right, we got Absolutely. a couple of games that we're going to kind of go through a little bit faster here just because we are getting close to tip-off. Uh, Louisville, Wisconsin, you know, a, kind of a prove a game for both of these teams. Two teams where I've been really high on at one point. Louisville, I'm kind of up and down on. I didn't come in that high on them, but they've kind of proven me wrong. So where are you at with this matchup? Yeah, you know, I, I, I love Louisville. I'm excited about them. Their team only playing four games. It's still a little up in the air as far as where they are. So this is going to be a huge test for them. If I'm Wisconsin, though, I, I think you need, you need this win more than I think Louisville does just from the, from the fact that you know, there's a lot of question marks about your program right now. You need to get back into that top 10 competition. You need to start to get some more confidence as far as your program. And that's, that's interesting to say about a team that's five and one, but you know, with a team that was as high as I believe they were up at at four in, in some early rankings, you know, they just need to come out there and, and really play well. I think Louisville's going to have some more chances because they're going to play Kentucky, and then they're going to also go and play in the ACC. You've got you're going to have some big nationally televised games with Duke, North Carolina, Clemson, even. So, you know, Wisconsin again. We talk about they're going to get big games in the Big Ten, but I think they really need to come out there, have a good showing, and and they if they go out there, they play well, they're going to be right back into the top ten. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Another interesting matchup: North Carolina, Kentucky, two teams neither of us loved. Both of us thought they would have potential by March. North Carolina looks like the much better team so far. Kind of an opportunity for Kentucky to calm everybody down, though. Yeah, if you're a Kentucky, if you weren't in must-win mode before, you have to be now. You get a chance against a ranked opponent. Go and take care of business. Uh, you know, j- Just get in there, do what you need to do, move to two and four, and call today. Totally agree. Last one, we've got UCLA, Ohio State. Kind of an interesting matchup. Ohio State, another situation. They're coming off of that loss. Calm everybody down by going in and beating a UCLA team who might actually be a tournament team when this is all said and done. Yeah, this is this has implications for both teams. I think personally, you know, Ohio State, you want to go in there and get a win, but at the same time, I think if you're UCLA, and quite frankly, if you are a pack. 12 fan you want to see ucla go and go and get a win because the pac-12 has just not done well against top 50 non-conference opponents so they really need to go in there and get a win because right now you don't feel great about a lot of those teams i think you know you've got a couple pac-12 teams that obviously i still have confidence in because i think it's still a good basketball conference but right now where we sit that conference is not looking great national perspective. So UCLA kind of needs to represent for, uh, for everybody else in, in that conference. Agreed. I've 
Pac-12 weird, man. Arizona State, yeah, some of these weird. teams, I didn't, I didn't really see that coming. I, I wasn't as high on them as a lot of people. I mean, there were some people that were acting like Arizona State was a, you know, borderline fringe top ten team or something like that, and that was always crazy because it's Remy Martin and nothing else. But yeah, those are people that watch Remy Martin highlights, you know, and the Remy Martin highlights don't show the games where he goes three of 12 from deep and they lose, you know, so they're, they're (laughs) on another one of those teams where it's just, uh, you know. All right, man. Well, let's, let's call it a day. So these people can go watch those games before we go. I'm going to put you on the spot. Gonzaga, Iowa, who's taking it home. Uh, coming in today, I'd say Gonzaga after we talked about it. Screw it. I'm saying Iowa. I think they're going to come out hot. You heard him. I'm, I'm going to roll with Ben here. I think I, I came in thinking Gonzaga after everything we talked about, talking about all the factors, COVID, how it might impact the scoring. I think Iowa gets it done. That said, because we said that, Gonzaga probably wins by double digits. So yep, absolutely. Enjoy the game. <laughs> enjoy the weekend. Hope everybody is staying safe out there. We will... I think we'll have another episode next weekend, um, probably earlier in the week since it'll be Christmas, though. Happy holidays, everybody. Stay safe. Much love. Enjoy that. Hoops.